our text, I want to say something this morning by way of introduction. Um, in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16, Peter is writing about the writings of the Apostle Paul. And he said, Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles. Listen to this statement he makes about the texts that we are going to read today. Speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand which unhot and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. Peter said that some of what Paul wrote, actually he referenced all of his writings, he said that they were difficult to understand and that unstable and unlearned men twisted the writings of the Apostle Paul. This morning I'm going to be dealing with one of the texts that is, without question, one of the most difficult to understand of all that the Apostle Paul has written. Really, Romans chapter 6 through chapter 11 is probably the most difficult passage in all of the New Testament to really properly understand and apply. And what I want to say this morning is that... I have a goal to accomplish, and that is to help those who want help. I have a goal to accomplish, and that is to help the child of God understand this internal battle between the old self and the new life in Christ, between the flesh and the spirit. I want to clearly define what is the flesh, what is the old man. I want to clearly define what is it that God, uh, how does God see the old man? What is God's perception of the flesh? And then I'm going to look at how did God deal with it and how do we deal with it? I have, in all my years of Sunday morning preaching, never tackled an issue quite like this on Sunday morning because it is easy for somebody who wants to be critical, for somebody who wants to Um, push every single statement that is made to dismantle most of what I'm going to say. And therefore, in most cases, I would take four to six weeks on a Wednesday night and teach this thoroughly. This, what you got last week, what you're getting this morning, is what you're missing Wednesday night if you don't come on Wednesday nights, where I typically take and feed the people of God depth. God led me to do it here this morning. And I have to say that I cannot get, I could spend, and I'm not exaggerating, I could spend eight hours without stopping speaking, teaching straight through in much more thorough and in much more exhaustive way what I'm going to try to give you in 45 minutes. And I know there will probably be some who will be critical, some who will say, prove that, prove that, prove that. I'm not going to do that today. What I'm going to try to do is help those of you who want help to understand this war that happens when someone truly gets saved. And I I want to give you, if you will, the foundation for how the Word of God teaches us that God Himself has dealt with the old man, the flesh. So, And I also recognize that if Peter said that Paul's writings were hard to understand and that they were twisted by people that if we properly teach Paul's writings, they too at times will be hard to understand and twisted by people. And there's nothing that can be done about that, so we just have to leave that in the hands of God and move forward. All right, Romans chapter... Where are we going to start? Let's let's start in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, I'm going to read through verse 25. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, 
and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So in our text, we see two um, driving forces to the, to the Christian. We see the flesh and the Spirit. We're told not to obey one and to obey the other. We are told not to listen to the desires of one, but rather to listen to the desires of another. You need to understand something this morning about the Christian life, and that is that the flesh, the old man, is contrary to the things of God. And the flesh will never agree with God. The flesh will never agree with what the Spirit wants to do in your life. Now, I just practically and quickly want to talk about what is the flesh. Because that's a term that, you know, we don't use in modern day English much. When we say flesh, we think, you know, the skin, uh, meat on a person's bones. And certainly that is flesh. But in the Bible, the word flesh has a bigger context. Paul uses the word flesh here in Galatians chapter 5. But if we go back to Romans in chapter 6, he uses another word for flesh. And that is the old man. Verse 6 of Romans chapter 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. Now, what is flesh? And what can be done about it? First of all, you need to understand, Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 6, that that which is born of flesh is flesh. And so, we're just people of flesh carnal, part of the old society, the old world, by birth. You don't have to do anything to be fleshly. You don't have to do anything to be carnal. You don't have to do anything to, to have an old nature. And if you're not reborn, that nature that you have is still part of the old kingdom. And that's all that rules you is the old way of life. God's way of delivering us from the old life is giving us the new life of Jesus Christ. And the flesh, it's always going to be flesh. It's just what it's going to be. Jesus said that which is flesh, born of flesh, is flesh. It's never going to change. Always going to be flesh. The old man is always going to be the old man. And in the Bible, inherently, the old man, the flesh, is always considered bad. It is always considered insufficient of keeping the commandments of God. That it is impossible for any flesh to glory in the presence of God. That in where the flesh was weak, it was not capable of keeping the whole law. The flesh in the Bible is considered a bad thing. Now, the only way that somebody can be something other than flesh, other than the old nature is to be born again. You see, this is what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 3. We'll go ahead and go to John chapter 3, and I want you to see the idea of the old nature and the flesh versus the new nature and the new man. It's, not, it's everywhere in the Bible. John chapter 3, Romans chapter 6, Galatians chapter 5, and many other places. These are just a few. But in John chapter 3, Jesus said in verse 3, I say to you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Here we see the idea that there must be a new birth. That God is not primarily concerned with changing the flesh that exists. That God is not primarily concerned with changing the old man into a better old man. That the way of God is new life. And that what God desires to do altogether is give us new life that we are to live in and walk in, and this new life is not the same thing as changing the old man. Now, I want you to understand something about the flesh this morning, about the old man. Carnal is another word that deals with the same two things, the old man, the flesh, the carnal nature. It's possible to be carnally minded and not necessarily be out there killing people and and sleeping with prostitutes and doing the, just being as horrible and wicked of a society, person in society as you can be. Certainly that's carnal. Certainly that's fleshly. Certainly that's from the old nature. But the old nature also has a prideful side. A side that desires to be liked. A, a side that desires to be, um, uh, what's the word, powerful, a, a side that desires to be something in the eyes of other people. That's vanity. And so it's possible to be very carnal and yet at the same time, you know, go to church and you hold down a good job and you've got, you know, you, 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 wealth or whatever it may be for the purpose of giving the appearance of having it all together. There are some people that that is their carnal weakness. That is their flesh that is their, their old nature still trying to find a way to be lifted up and exalted in the eyes of our peers. And so when I talk about the flesh, when I talk about car, being carnal-minded, when I talk about the old nature, I'm not just talking about the great big sins that we think bad people do. Here's the point of the Word of God. All flesh is bad. It don't matter how good your flesh is. All carnal thinking is bad. It doesn't matter how refined your carnal thinking is. doesn't matter how educated you become. doesn't matter how productive you are in society. God sees two primary uh, world systems. The old system and the new system. Those that are in Adam, the first Adam, and those that are in Christ, the last Adam. God sees two different groups of people. The question is not... How good can you make your flesh? The question, because you can't make it good. The question is not how, how, how great can you fix your carnal thinking necessarily from your old self. The question is how do I take the new life of God and begin to live in the new life of God? God's view of the flesh is altogether reprehensible. If you think about it, in the, in, the Bible teaches us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible teaches us that there will be a resurrection. The Bible teaches us that those who are alive at the return of the Lord, whatever that looks like, that those who are alive, while they're caught up, if you will, into heaven, the Bible also teaches us that we will get a new glorious Bible. And it says this, quote, in, first, in the book of 1 John, that I, we, speaking of our physical bodies, we will be like Him, the Lord Jesus. Now, the only thing, man's three part, body, soul, and spirit. His soul, his spirit, eternal. God washes us, cleanses us, gives us new life in the spirit, begins to transform the soul, which is the place of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And, 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 and God begins to transform that. And those two things, man's soul and spirit, are eternal. But the one part of man that's not is flesh. God says, your flesh is so wicked, so reprehensible to me, I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to do anything with it. The only way of dealing with your flesh, the old man, is through death. Crucifixion. Look at Romans chapter 6. 
What does Paul say? In verse 5, we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Our soul wasn't crucified, the spirit's not crucified, but the body, the, the body of flesh, the old nature, God says, is good for nothing but death. Now you need to understand something. Either you're going to, we, we have to agree with God or understand we're going to be in the most miserable Christian experience ever. I had a real hard time coming to grips with what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Here's the reason why. We're prideful. I'd like to think I have something to offer to God. Something. That's what I'd like to think. I mean, granted, I know I've got, you know, part of my old nature, part of my flesh, part of myself, my old self is wicked and terrible and horrible and evil, but I'd like to think somehow, some way, it's not totally wicked and evil. And that somehow I actually have something to offer to God. And so what you do, you find yourself in this constant process of trying to fix up the old man. The old man hates God. The old man lusts and sins and, and, and thinks evil things and is selfish and is is self-serving, and it's just as wicked as wicked can be. And, and I did what most Christians do all of their life. I kept trying to fix him. I kept trying to repair him. And I kept dealing with great condemnation, thinking, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I shared with you last week some of the extent of the fasting that I have did in my life. Primarily, it was that purpose. I'm trying to kill the old man. I'm, just, I'm trying to make him go away. I'm trying to make him leave. I remember when I was very first saved, I heard, I heard a principle that in theory helps some, but in reality, as we'll see today, is not, tr- it, not the full truth of the gospel. But I was told the story, some of you have heard it, about the man that had two dogs. And they were fighting dogs, and they were tough dogs, and he had them on chains, and he was walking them. One dog was black, one dog was white. And a young little fellow, about four years old, who didn't know to be fearful of the dogs, just came charging at the dogs. He wanted to pet them. And it frightened the dogs, and they ran at the boy barking, and the man pulled him back and screamed at the boy, and he jumped back, and he was terrified. And the man said, don't come close to these dogs. These are fighting dogs. These aren't dogs that you, you run up to and pet like that. And that piqued the, the boy's curiosity, and he said, he said, well, if they're fighting dogs, if you let them go and they fight, which one of them's going to win? And the man thought about it, and he said, well, I suppose whichever one I feed the most. I was told that analogy when I first got saved to help me understand the balance between and the fight between the old man and the new man. And the theory was this. Starve one dog to death so that it is so weak it cannot fight, and feed the other dog so that it becomes incredibly strong. I bought it. And I'm telling you, I tried it. I'm not bragging. I'm not being arrogant this morning. I'm trying to help you. But I can tell you on the authority of my experience, I've never met another person personally who worked so hard to starve that dog to death as me. You know what I learned about the flesh? You can't kill it. About the old man... There's something so incredibly wicked and so powerful about him that all the work you can do in the world ain't going to make him leave. He can do two things. Number one, he can fast for vast amount of time. 10, 20, 30 years. And still not die. I'm talking about real stuff this morning and I hope I don't offend nobody, but I'm just going to get real. You take a man who has a problem with pornography and lust and you lock him inside of a black room with very low light, no images, nothing to look at but concrete walls for six months. And by the end of that six months, he will be thinking very little about pornography, very little about the things that, were, that, that I just mentioned. You let him out of the room and put him in front of a billboard, and in 30 seconds, all the fury of that flesh and all the fury of that lust that had been suppressed for six months, it's alive in 30 seconds. 
You can't kill it by starving it to death. And so what some people do is they get frustrated and then they try the other way. Well, if I can't starve the thing to death, then I'm just going to feed it till it's not hungry anymore. I'm just going to just indulge myself until I'm sick of it. It's not possible. The flesh will eat and 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 eat. And And when you finally get sick of it, all you need is a good two-hour break and you'll find the hunger still there. Now we understand Romans chapter 7. Paul says, who will deliver me from this wretched mess of a man that I am? Now, I haven't talked about the way of deliverance yet. I haven't talked about God's way out. But what I am doing so far is trying to clearly help us understand what the flesh is, what the old man is, and the, and, and the problem that opposes to the Christian. It's a very real thing. And you need to understand that you can't starve it to death. You can't feed it so well that it will finally give up and, and be satisfied. You need to understand that that which is flesh will always be flesh. God's not going to change it. You know, I've seen so many people over the years, they come to the altar and really what they're praying for, because they think and because this is, this is what I call the dirty little secret that the devil's crept into the church. They think that if they really love God, and if they're really serious about God, they really mean what they pray that their flesh nature is going to leave. Well, then it doesn't leave and they're terrified to say anything, right? Because like, I don't want you to know what I think. I don't want you to know the thoughts that run through me. You'd never love me. I'm convinced of this just because of the shallowness of people. If we took a video of the thoughts that have ran through my head... If we took, if there was some way to make a video of the desires of my flesh and run it on the screen for you guys here over the next 30 minutes, half of you would probably question whether or not I was able to pastor. But here's the thing. That shouldn't surprise any of us. The reality is, I have flesh too. And the Bible teaches the flesh is inherently wicked. So wicked, God's not going to do anything with it. Now, let's progress a little bit further this morning. Before man is born again, the Bible uses that term born again, uh, regenerated. Before man is born again, he is left with nothing but his flesh to follow. I mean, that's it. There is no other voice. There is no other person to lead me. It's just my own carnal thinking, my own view of the world, my own desires, my own understanding of how this world works and what I think is best for me. That's the flesh. That's the carnal-minded way. That's the old man. And before a person's saved, there is no other voice but that. It's not until you get saved that there's real conflict. All of a sudden you get saved. God gives you the Holy Spirit, which comes not only to encourage us and to equip us, but to reprove us of sin. And so before, I might know that I'm a little bit worse than this guy. But now that I'm saved, I'm awakened to sin. And I begin to realize, man, I am messed up. You see, last week I talked about sins. Those are things we do. And we talked about how the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all our sins. And so I can go to God knowing that my sins are forgiven. But as I progress in my faith, and I get this, that my sins are forgiven, I still find there's a great problem with me. It's not just that I commit sins. It's that there's this wicked part of me that wants to commit sins. And as I am trying to love God and be a Christian, and now the Holy Spirit dwells inside the truly regenerated Christian, his conscience is awakened to, man, I think this, I think that. And I find myself thinking, especially early on in my faith, Joplin, what's wrong with you? Are you even saved? How could you think something like that? How could you be so selfish? How come you don't love the way that God loves? How come you're not forgiving the way that Christ is forgiving? How come you don't desire this great spiritual journey at all times in your life and sometimes you're just downright selfish? 
And I did what most would do, right? I'd kneel and I'd pray at the altar. Oh, God, forgive me. God, change me. God, get rid of this. And then I did what most aren't willing to do. I tried to starve the thing to death. Okay, I'll fast. I'll go two years without watching any TV whatsoever. That might help. I'm telling you, I've done it all, people. I've done it. And finally came to the blessed conclusion. God doesn't want to change it. He's not going to change it. God sees me as crucified. God sees the old man as in Christ. Now, I said this last week about the blood. We have to accept God's valuation of the blood. If the blood satisfies God, it also has to satisfy us. Now, the same is true about the old man. And here's where we stumble up and have a problem. Because somehow it's okay for me to deal with my sins because they're like not really me. They're just things I did. But when it comes to me, the old man, the old nature, I have a hard time accepting the reality is not going to change. Because really somewhere or somewhere so stinking prideful. I just want to think I can tame that flesh. I'm the one man on earth that can do it. Trust me, I can. I'll fast more than the rest. I'll pray more than the rest. I'll read more than the rest. And eventually I will become the one human being on earth who made his flesh desire to love God. It's not going to happen. I want want you to understand something. One of the most freeing things as a Christian is beginning to understand. There are two natures. And one of them is never going to change. God doesn't want it to change. Now, I haven't dealt with how do we deal with it. There is a way to deal with it. God's way, though, is not changing it. God's way is helping us overcome it. And there is a difference. But you need to understand that old nature is going to be there. It's not that you're messed up or wrong compared to everybody else. It's that we're all messed up. I'm messed up. You're messed up. He's messed up. She's messed up. Let's quit kidding ourselves. We're all messed up because... There is a reason because that which is flesh is flesh. Always going to be. So now the question is, how do we progress forward? How do we move forward? Because understand something, and I want to say this boldly. The, the finality of the cross, the, the, the work that was done on Calvary is so full and so magnificent. It does more than just pay for our sins. There is a way of deliverance. And God's desire is that His children live in deliverance. God's desire is that we are overcomers. God's desire is that we quit listening to the old and begin walking in the new. But you have to understand there is going to be an old nature. And here's the last thing I'll say about this point before I'll move. There will always be an old nature. And you've got to learn to quit seeing the old nature as you. Because God doesn't see the old part of you, the flesh, as you. He sees the new you. The Christ in you. The new life that He placed in you. The desire that's in you to truly honor and serve God. God sees the old you in the cross with Christ. I was crucified with Him. That's past tense, people. Knowing that the old man was crucified with him. Now, that's the way that God sees it. Some of you have seen me do this analogy, but it's a good time to do it here. This is my Bible. These are my notes this morning. No joke. These are my notes. If I take my, this piece of paper, these notes, and I place them in this Bible, let me ask the question. Are they really part of the Bible? Not necessarily, but they're in there. And because they're in my Bible, if I hand my Bible to Chris, where does my notes go? To Chris. If he gives it back, where do the notes go? To me. If I take this Bible and I stick it in the mail and mail it to a friend on the East Coast, where does the paper go? To the East Coast. Why? very simple, because the paper is in the Bible. Now, the paper is not the Bible, but it's in the Bible. That's the way God sees us in Christ. 
What happened to Christ, God sees as happened to me. That's why the Bible says unashamedly, boldly, and clearly, unmistakably, those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation to those. I was crucified with Christ. God saw me as in Him. So, His death became my death. His blood pouring out, in essence, became what should have been my blood pouring out for my sins. His life that was given was my life. And when He rose from the dead, because I was in Him, I too rose from the dead and God gave me new life. Now, here's where we get mixed up. Rather than looking to God, and rather than looking at it from God's perspective, we want to look at it from our perspective. Right? So, if I'm dead and my old man's crucified... Well, then he should quit breathing, and he should no longer exist, and yet when I look at myself and I look inward, he's very much alive. The Bible never told you to look inward and settle this matter. The Bible said, look to Christ. And the first thing you have to understand in how we deal with this is the way God deals with it. God deals with it by choosing to see us as in Christ. So I haven't even talked about deliverance yet. I haven't even talked about how to overcome yet. And I'm moving there. But we at least see this from the perspective of God. And if you can see it this morning, it should just take a load off your shoulders. (sighs) Okay. Not only does God choose to not see my sins because of the blood. Not only does God take what I did... And forgive me of what I did because of the blood. He forgives me for what I am because of the cross. And so when God looks at Joplin Emerson, it's very true there is a flesh nature and there is a spiritual nature. It's very true there's a part of me that just hungers for God only and wants to honor God and serve God. And there's a part of me that's as terrible as anything you've ever known. But when God looks at me, and when God talks about Joplin Emerson with Joplin Emerson, God sees the new me, the living me that the life of Christ in me has given me. And I can just thank God. God's not telling me to change the old. God's not telling me to fix the old. God's just saying, that thing is worthless. Your flesh is wicked. It's never going to change. It's always going to be contrary to what I want you to do, Joplin. It's going to be contrary to your new nature. And what you've got to learn is to see that thing is dead. Now, I want to talk about the word dead. And remember, if we're going to understand biblical things, biblical concepts, understand the Bible, we must keep in context the way the words are used in the Bible. It's interesting that the word dead in the Bible rarely refers to the end. I mean, even when a person dies, they still live. Some forever in heaven, some forever in hell. When when God told Adam and Eve if they did eat of the fruit they were not told to eat of, surely in that day they would die. Well, in one sense, they died spiritually. They went hiding from God. They were terrified of God. And they would have stayed in that state and they would have died in that state had God not come to where they were. Had God not called out to them. See, that's the way it is with all of us. God seeks us. And yet, while there was some form of death, they still lived for another eight or nine hundred years, just depending on when the apple was or the, the fruit was eaten. Some can argue a day is as to the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as is a day. So according to the Lord, they still died. I think when you really understand the word death, and understand that death deals more with being cut off. To be cut off from God is death. Jesus, in the book of John, is all about life and death. And you see those terms used a lot. We see that while we were dead in our trespasses... Well, yet we still lived. What does it mean that we were dead in the sight of God? Well, we were cut off from God. There was no communication with God. And so, to be dead, it's almost like saying something is dead to me. It no longer has any influence over me. 
And when we begin to keep in context the idea of don't listen to the flesh, but yield to the spirit, we start to see that our relationship with the old man is to see the old man the same way that God does. And that is, you're you're dead to me. You no longer have any authority in my life. You no longer have any say-so. You're wicked. You're evil. You never want to change. And ultimately, one day, God is going to destroy you. I'm getting a new body. I'm getting new flesh that's going to be made in the likeness of Christ. And I'm never going to have to hear your lies again. I'm never going to have to hear your condemnation again. You are dead to me. And I live to God and I believe God. You see, this is the logical conclusion that Paul comes to in Romans chapter 6. He says in verse 11, Likewise, also reckon yourselves to be dead, indeed to sin. Not sins, sin. That word sin in the singular deals with the old nature. It deals with the flesh. But alive to God. You know what that word reckon means? It is a, uh, it's an accounting term. It's where we get our word reconcile. And if anybody is an accountant or a good mathematician, you know that even if it's off one cent, it's not actually reconciled. In order for it to be reconciled, it has to be exact. No possible error. No, well, it's close enough, right? We're only off three cents. That's the way my wife does a checkbook. Which is why she does not do the checkbook. (laughs) To reconcile something is exact. And that word is what's used here. He says this. Reconcile. Reckon yourself. Dead to sin. So, when the old nature tries to raise its head up, I'm not trying to change it any longer. My response to the flesh is number one, thank God that God sees you as crucified with Christ, as already done in the, in the perspective of heaven, in the, in the perspective of eternity. This is an accomplished, done deal. Thank God for the cross. And now in this life, I have to reckon that. I have to walk that out. I have to, I have to allow that to manifest itself in my life so that I'm no longer controlled by the old master. So that I'm no longer a slave to my old self. And the thing is, if you spend your wheels trying to change your old self, it's exhausting. All of you probably know. It's embarrassing because you can't do it. But here's the problem with it. God never asked you to. God never asked you to change the old self. In God's view, the flesh is absolutely corrupt. And God's way of dealing with it is giving us new life. Giving us the life of His Son. And until a person truly has new life, it's impossible to please God, it's impossible to be saved, and it's impossible to triumph in this world over the old nature. You have to be born again. But understand something. Once you're truly born again, then you become awakened to this fight. It's much like the first son who was born, Ishmael. He was not the son of promise. And you know what? There were no problems in the home. Everything was fine. Ishmael was the only boy. They went on for years. And then all of a sudden comes the son of promise. And Isaac is born. And in a family in which there was no problems, all of a sudden because the son of promise came, now we got problems. The old man no longer has room in my life. The new man has dominance. I want you to understand something. If you are deeply conflicted this morning about why do you desire old things? Why, why, Why can't you change? If you are deeply conflicted about that, listen to the preacher this morning when I tell you, that feeling alone is evidence you are changed. It's not an excuse to stay in it. I'm not justifying listening to the old man, but I'm telling you something. Without the new life, you'll never truly be convicted of the old man. You'll understand him perfectly. You know why he is the way he is, and you think he's right, but if now you think he's wrong, 
and you're upset with him and you see him as wicked and evil and you can't make him stop. That's evidence that you are a regenerated person with the Spirit of the living God living in you. Now, how do we go from there? Making decent time this morning. How do we go from there? How do we deal with it? It's very important that you understand, first and foremost, there is a war between the new and the old. In Galatians chapter 5, I read it earlier, in Galatians chapter 5, it tells us the spirit wars against the flesh, lusts against the flesh, and, and, and vice versa. Never, ever, ever, ever is your old man, your old nature, your flesh going to just come around and say, you know what? We ought to serve God. This lusting and this selfishness, and it's a terrible idea. Let's serve God. It's never going to happen. And you need to know that about the old part of you. And you need to be free to know God isn't expecting it of you either. God's way of dealing it is with death. God sees it as a final thing while we were in Christ. And now we have to work it out and walk it out in our life. Now here's what happens to the Christian who does not understand what I just said. He takes too much emphasis on himself to change what God's not even willing to change. He becomes hopelessly trapped in this feeling of failure. He thinks to himself, surely, Pastor Joplin never thinks things like this. Surely those spiritual people up here don't think things like that. Surely. And, and, and you start, and God, he, the devil starts to isolate you. You start to wonder if you're even saved. You start to think, and it's all based upon the lie that your old nature is going to change. It's not going to change, folks. And anybody that wants to argue differently, number one, doesn't really understand the Scriptures, but number two, is lying about their experience. So now, how do we deal with it? Alright, so we've, we've dealt with the reality that the flesh is wicked, it's evil, that which is flesh is flesh. The only way to overcome is to have new birth, for God to give us a new person that we might become a new creation. We've talked about the reality that God sees our old man as already dealt with, dead, and not only does He see it as done, there is coming a final day when we get new bodies, and, and the flesh, if you will, that we live in, the bodies that we have, the, the, that part of our nature will be made like Christ. But now how do we advance? How do we grow in our own personal spiritual journeys? Number one, we have to believe the Bible. And I know that sounds silly. But you've got to get it settled in your heart that that's what this says. You've got to get it settled in your heart. Now, on one hand, the Bible tells us we were crucified with Christ. That's past tense, right? That the old man's dealt with. That the old man is dead. If you only use that passage, it can become confusing. And you think, well, if that's true, then why do I feel the old man at all if he's dead? Well, in one sense, he's dead in that he's already been dealt with in the sight of God. And the fact that when the paper's in the Bible, it's not really the Bible, but it's in the Bible. And so God sees me as in Christ. And so in the standing of God, that's the most important. I need to know what the Word of God says. But on the other hand, the Bible does tell us to walk by the Spirit. And you shall know by, by no means fulfill the lust of the flesh. So obviously, if the flesh has lusts, that it's trying to get us to partake of, in that sense, it's very much alive. In that sense, it's there. It exists. And we must learn to deal with it the way God wants us to deal with it. Number one, that's by quit trying to refine it. Quit it. The real reason we try to refine our flesh, honestly, is because we're prideful and we'd like to think it could be kept up a little bit. 
Quit it. The thing's dead. It's not worth reviving. It's not worth changing. You've got a new life. You have the life of Christ himself in you. That's what you've got, and that's what you need to go with. That's what you need to roll with. That's what you need to keep your focus on. That's what you need to listen to. That's what you need to obey. Quit wasting your time trying to change the old man. Understand, they're going to war against each other. And so I begin to treat the old man as dead. And I, I, one of the pictures in my journey of grappling with all of this and coming to an understanding of all this came out of Paul's um, letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 when it, he tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty, the pulling down of strongholds. And he goes on to say this. He says, taking every thought captive, every thought and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking it captive. Now, that word taking captive is sort of like a military term. It's a war term. In order to take somebody captive, obviously they are an enemy. So now I see not my flesh is an enemy of me. I don't want to fix him up. I want him to die. And when the flesh comes up with those wicked thoughts and those wicked ideas, I have to take those thoughts captive. And I had this mental picture of a prisoner who is behind bars. Now, in Romans chapter 6 and 7, Paul gives us two analogies of what this looks like. One of them is a slave who's been set free, so he no longer has to obey the same master. He says, you were slaves to the old man, but now you can be slaves to God, to righteousness. And because I have a new master, I don't have to listen to you anymore. The other is the idea of being married to somebody, and then once the person dies, you are legally set free from that person to marry another. And we see Paul doing what I'm trying to do this morning, a very hard thing to do, which is to take a spiritual truth and somehow try to use analogies that we make that are common sense to us and then apply them to a spiritual truth. And so this picture came to me. The old me who used to rule me, who used to be the boss, who used to be the master, is locked up in prison. And the only thing is, I'm the one that has to guard the door. You can't guard it. My friends can't guard it. I've got to guard the door. And when I get around all you folks, and I get around all my friends, and I get around the right people, and I'm hearing the right things, it's pretty easy to keep them silent. And everybody's reminding me, you are new. You're a child of God. And I'm saying, I am a child of God. I am new. But then eventually you all go away. And I'm by myself with my back to the door. And, and that creep gets up right behind me and he starts to whisper through the bars, I'm still your master. You're still mine. You still desire this. You still desire that. You still desire this. And you've got to have the faith of God to turn around, look that old self in the face and say, you are dead. You're dead to me. You're dead in the sight of God. Ultimately, one day your final death is coming and you will exist no more. And until then, you don't control me. You're not my master. I'm not listening to you anymore. I belong to God. Hush it up and sit back in the cell. And you turn and you, and you, and you stay faithful to God. You have to understand this is, this is the way to deal with the old self. I have seen so many Christians who have beat themselves up because they haven't learned how to deal with the old nature. Because they haven't learned how to listen to God. And next week, we're going to talk about walking in the Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about. We're just continuing to progress. Understand, it never changes. No matter how bad you blow it, no matter how much you listen to the old self, you still come to God always and only on the grounds of the blood. We dealt with that last week. Now I have to understand... I don't have to live in condemnation. That's, this is why Paul says, if you look at the thought process of Romans chapter 6, it's, I was crucified with Christ. The old man's dealt with. I have new life. And Paul says, not only is that true, I'm going to give you some analogies. You've got the slave who's set free. 
You've got the, the, uh, the wife that was married to a husband, and then the husband died, so she can marry again. And he says in Romans chapter 7, the conclusion is, therefore, I find this thing within me. Part of me wants to be evil. Another part of me wants to be good. And there's this crazy conflict. Who's going to deliver me from this? And then he says, thank God for Jesus Christ, for there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's the conclusion. Not that the old man's changed, but that in Christ, the old man is dealt with. And now I have to, by faith, deal with the old man the same way. When I got a hold of that, I'm telling you something, it freed me up. Because I realized I do not have to change all this old wicked stuff. I just have to not listen to it. I just have to realize God sees it as dead. And I have a conscious choice now. I have to decide who am I going to listen to. But too many people have been listening to the old self because they think that so long as the old self is giving directions, that they must be bad. I've had people come to me before in ministry. I've had people come to me before that love God, serving God, have a desire to bring honor and glory to God. The majority of their life, they're working for God. And then in a minute of weakness, they failed. And they came to me and they said, you know what, I did this and I failed and I've got to, I've, I've got to step away from ministry. My life will never be the same. You know what my response to that is? That's ridiculous. You did fail. You failed in giving in to the old self. But understand something, that isn't you. That old self is dead in the sight of God. The new you is Christ-like. The new you desires the things of God. The new you hungers for Christ and righteousness. The new you that God has given life to is altogether a new person. And in a moment of weakness, you did make a mistake. But that does not define who you are. It tells us you weren't ready for this fight. It tells us you weren't prepared for that battle. It tells us that in that moment, when the spirit and the flesh were at war, you gave in to the wrong one. But don't define yourself based upon the fact that you still got an old nature that's wicked. We all do. I've been walking in this now for three or four years with some depth of understanding. And I'm going to tell you, it never ceases to amaze me at times how fast and how quick my old self is just wicked. I mean, I, I, you don't even have to do anything to whip it up. Just be there, reading your own you know, magazine on the airplane. Somebody says something or somebody walks by and does something and all of a sudden the thoughts I have that fast. And there's times, no joke, there are times when I that quick realize that's my old nature. That ain't me. I don't think that way. I don't feel that way towards people. And no, no joke, there are times that I have honestly laughed and just thought to myself, my goodness, that old self is wicked. Thank God you're dead. Thank God you were dealt with through the cross and that that isn't me anymore because that isn't me. I know that thought just came through this brain, but it isn't me. I am Christ's child. I am a child of the King. I have a renewed mind. I have a renewed heart. So don't become confused, as so many Christians do, with the fact that that old nature is still there. You need to start understanding, though, if you're going to overcome it, Five minutes and I'm done. If you're going to overcome it, if you're going to win this battle, you've got to start understanding how to handle your old nature. You've got to treat the thing as dead. You've got to quit giving yourself the excuse to just satisfy the old self because the old self is just being mean and wants you to do something and, and won't leave you alone. It's never going to leave you alone. Trust me, it won't. So I've already said, you can fast yourself to death if you want. You can try to fulfill it beyond your wildest imaginations and it still won't work. You just got to get it settled. This won't be a fight. This won't be a battle. It's going to be this way. It's going to be this way next year. It's going to be this way in 10 years. It's going to be this way in 20 years. It's going to be this way until I get a glorified body. And until then, there's going to be a war, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And I'm going to win this thing. Because I'm not going to be tricked anymore. I'm not going to be fooled anymore into thinking that I'm supposed to exhaust my time and my efforts and my prayer life and my trips to the altar on asking God to change something. He refuses to change. 
And if God's okay with it because of what Christ has done, and if God sees it as a finished work, and if God sees me as pure, if God sees me as a new creation in Christ, then I see me that way too. And occasionally I'm just going to have to have my back to the bars and turn around and look at him and say, Hush it. You are no longer me. And you no longer have power in my life. But just because that voice is there, I'm not going to live with condemnation all my life. The very fact that I don't like that voice is the fact I've got a new life. This is important for believers to understand to walk in victory. This is important for the Christian to understand. And how do I begin to walk in the newness of life? I'll ask our worship team to come. And I want to close by saying this this morning. Really, I've told you how to handle the old self. This morning, but I have not dealt with how do you walk in the newness of life? What does that mean? What does that look like? And with the help of God, I pray that next week I can explain that. That next week I can, I can provide some spiritual insight into how do we walk in the Spirit. Because the Bible says that's really the only key to not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And so this morning... First and foremost, if you've never been born again and you're you're trying to be a Christian, you're trying to be a good person, it's not going to happen. You can't be what God wants you to be without new birth. You can't change the flesh. You can't refine yourself to be good enough. You need to be born again. How are we born again? By honestly truly and completely coming to Christ in faith. Turning my life, saying, God, I'm willing to turn from this old way of life, from this old way of doing things. I'm willing to turn and follow You. You will be my God and my Lord. And you confess your sins and ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. Ask Christ to take control of your life and turn to Him. And all who are willing to come, He's willing to receive. This morning, if you haven't done that, I'm going to encourage you. There's never a better day than today. There's never a better time than now. We have altars at the front of our church because we believe you need a place to kneel and pray and and just spend time with God while God's dealing with you. And this morning, I pray that some Christians got some deliverance, got some understanding about the fact of what this battle looks like and that some condemnation that you've been keeping on yourself, you realize, okay, that's why there's no condemnation. And you get freed up and realize, now I just want to serve God in the newness of life. I'm going to quit trying to change what I'm not going to change. I'm just going to quit listening to His voice. He's going to be dead to me. Father, I pray that you move all across this room in Jesus' name. I believe I've said everything you'd have me to say. I pray, God, that you'd help us this morning to just receive your word. Give us the freedom to, number one, humble ourselves and realize we're not going to change the old man. Give us the freedom to trust You, that You see us the way Your Word tells us You do. Give us the courage, Lord, to see ourselves the same way so that we can walk in the newness of life in Jesus' name.